Section 24 of the Watergate Report, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 2, Section 24. D. Milk Producer Contacts with John Connolly Prior to March 23rd john connolly became secretary of the treasury in february nineteen seventy one as discussed above connolly testified that he had been consulted in nineteen sixty nine at the time of the formation of tape in march nineteen seventy one the milk producers turned to him again this time for his assistance to secure a price support increase according to gary hanman of mid am the name connolly was mentioned in milk producer strategy sessions in nineteen seventy one since as he explained, Texas dairy people, particularly AMPI attorney Jake Jacobson, were friendly with Connolly. 1. Contacts by Jake Jacobson Connolly and Jacobson have known each other for 25 years. In 1962, Jacobson was Price Daniels' campaign manager in his unsuccessful campaign against Connolly for the governorship of Texas. After the campaign, Jacobson became friends with Connolly, and thereafter the two talked to each other on many occasions. Both Connolly and Jacobson testified that Jacobson talked to Connolly twice about the 1971 price support matter, once before March 12th and once after. Connolly's logs reflect four contacts with Jacobson during the relevant period. A call from Jacobson on February 25th, a meeting among Connolly, Jacobson, and Larry Temple, an Austin lawyer and former Connolly aide, on March 4th, a meeting between Connolly and Jacobson on March 19th, and a call from Jacobson on March 23rd. Connolly remembered the first discussion as occurring at a meeting either in late February or early March, presumably on March 4th. Jacobson stated that at the first meeting he explained the problem to Connolly. When he asked Connolly to use his influence to help the milk producers, Connolly responded that he would try to be helpful. Connolly testified that he interpreted Jacobson's request as one for him to contact Hardin. Connolly says that he was sympathetic to the position of the milk producers, and sometime before the 12th he talked to the president about it. Connolly's logs indicate meetings between Connolly and the president on March 5th and March 12th. The president, in his public statements, has made no reference to any meeting with Connolly before the 12th. Since the President has refused to provide the Select Committee with his logs on this subject, which identify the subject matter of his meetings, it has not been possible to determine the date of the pre-March 12th President Connolly discussion on this question. As discussed in Section 4F, Connolly also, apparently, had several key contacts with the President on March 23rd in connection with the price support matter. 2. Contact with Bob Lilly at Page Airways. In the midst of the milk producer efforts in March 1971 to secure an increase, Bob Lilly apparently encountered Connolly in a chance meeting. Although the content and significance of that contact is in dispute, Connolly may have given Lilly an important message on the price support matter. One afternoon in March, Lilly, Nelson, Parr, Tom Townsend, and possibly Lynn Elrod, another AMPI employee, passed Connolly's limousine on their way to Page Airways at Washington National Airport to return home by AMPI's private jet. Lilly, Nelson, Parr, and Townsend each remember seeing Connolly in his car. William Pleasant, 
Empey's hired driver, recalls seeing the car and telling his passengers. They, in turn, instructed him to honk and pull alongside, and Nelson and Parr then waved to Connolly. The Ampey party arrived at Page, and, while waiting in the small lobby of Page Airways Terminal to depart, saw Connolly walking through the lobby. According to those Ampey people present, Lily went over to speak to Connolly. Nelson, Parr, and Townsend recall that Parr tried to follow Lily and talk to Connolly, too, but Nelson restrained him, saying, No, let Bob go. Bob knows him. Nelson reasoned that because Lily knew Connolly far better than any other Ampey employees present, and Parr hardly knew him at all, Connolly might disclose something to Lily that he might not otherwise say in the presence of a stranger. According to Lily, Connolly did. Lily stated that he asked Connolly about the chances for an administrative increase in price supports, and Connolly replied, It's in the bag. Pass it on to the others. Lily says he assumed Connolly had personally spoken to the president. Lily then returned to his group and told them what Connolly said. Nelson essentially corroborated Lily's account and testified that Lily had said Connolly was optimistic about an increase by the president. Although Lily and Nelson said they told the other Ampey people there, Parr, Townsend, and Elrod state that they do not remember what was reported to them on Lily's discussion with Connolly. Connolly, in sworn testimony before the Select Committee on November 15, 1973, and supplemented by two affidavits, stated that he did not recall meeting, by chance or otherwise, Bob Lilly, or seeing Nelson or other Ampey people at Page Airways during March 1971. He conceded, however, that it is possible that a chance meeting between himself and Ampey people occurred while he was passing through Page Airways, but he denied communicating to any Ampey representative any optimism on a reversal of the March 12th decision. In fact, he testified that he does not think he discussed the 1971 price support problem with any Ampey representative other than Jacobson. Connolly also denied knowing Lilly very well and said that he would recognize Parr and Nelson ahead of Lilly. The individuals involved directly disputed that denial and testified that of those present at the time of the Page Airways meeting, Lilly knew Connolly the best. Nelson testified that he had met Connolly only three times in his life prior to March 1971. Townsend had never met him, and Parr had been introduced to him perhaps twice. In contrast, Lilly says that, as a state lobbyist for the State Farm Bureau in Texas in the 1960s, he had frequent contact, as often as three or four times a week during state legislative sessions, with Connolly, sometimes in personal meetings of a few persons to discuss state legislation. Jacobson, too, acknowledged that Lilly had spent a great deal of time at the state capitol in the 1960s. Lilly's previous contacts with Connolly would explain why Lilly, rather than Nelson or Parr, spoke to Connolly about the price support matter at the chance meeting at Page Airways. Thus, despite Connolly's failure to recollect such a meeting, it appears that the encounter in fact occurred though additional evidence points to the conclusion that Lilly may have been in error as to its date. Lilly testified that to the best of his recollection, this discussion with Connolly took place on the afternoon of March 19th, the day Jacobson met for a second time with Connolly, and Ehrlichman met with Hardin, Schultz, and others. However, Connolly testified that he did not leave Washington on March 19th, and there is evidence to corroborate that account. 
Connolly's logs show an entry for a dinner that evening at 8 p.m. at the Blair House in Washington, given by Vice President Agnew, and the Office of the Chief of Protocol of the Department of State informed the committee staff that according to the guest list for the dinner, Connolly did attend the dinner. Certain evidence in the possession of the committee points to March 5th as the date of the connolly lilly conversation. Lilly testified that following the meeting with Connolly, the Ampey people flew home, first to Little Rock, for Parr, Townsend, and Elrod, and then to San Antonio for Nelson and Lilly. There is an entry in the Ampey jet log for a Washington-Little Rock-San Antonio flight on March 5th, the only one during that period. Of significance is the fact that the only time in March that Connolly's logs show him at Page Airways is March 5th. At any event, Connolly did press the milk producer's case to the president, and the possible impact of Connolly's role upon the president's decision to increase price supports is discussed below. E. Milk Producer Contribution Activity Prior to March 23rd At the same time in 1971 that the milk producers were attempting to secure an increase in milk price supports, efforts were also underway to make contributions to the president's campaign. Although large commitments had been made, no money had yet been contributed by March 23rd to the president's re-election campaign, and only $10,000 had been contributed to other Republican committees. 1. $2 million commitment. From the time of the meeting in November 1970, in the Madison Hotel, attended by Colsom, Kalmbach, Evans, and the AMPI representatives to discuss dummy committees for the $2 million in milk producer contributions, until March 23rd, no substantial progress was made in arranging for these contributions to the President's campaign, and not one penny had been received toward the pledge. In the interim, Colson, Haldeman, and Kalmbach agreed to have a person not directly affiliated with the White House or the campaign to supervise the project. Kalmbach was the chief fundraiser for the president. However, he apparently did not want to deal with interest group contributors, such as the milk producers. In a memorandum from Colson to Haldeman dated February 1, 1971, entitled Outside Fund Handling, Colson pointed out this fact to Haldeman and said that he knew of an individual who could handle contributions from those groups. Haldeman's handwritten response on the menu was, Proceed away. Below that is written Bob Bennett in what has been identified as Colson's handwriting. Robert Bennett has served as Vice Chairman for Public Relations under Robert Mullen in the 1968 campaign when he met Colson and Evans and then became congressional liaison in the Department of Transportation, where he was Colson's political contact. When he left the department in 1970, he joined Mullen's Washington public relations firm. Bennett told the select committee staff that he wanted to participate, albeit in a minor way, in the 1972 campaign. He decided there would be a need for multiple committees for large contributions, and he talked to Colson and Evans about setting up committees. Evans introduced Bennett to Kalmbach, who told him that they needed 100 committees right away, and, ultimately, 300 to 400 committees. In March, Evans gave Bennett a copy of a charter for a District of Columbia committee to work for the renomination of President Richard M. Nixon. In the following months, Bennett organized the committees using that charter. The ultimate disposition of these committees is discussed below in Section 5B. 
kalmbach bennett and evans are all uncertain when these discussions took place but since john dean sent copies of a draft of the charter to kalmbach evans and frank demarco kalmbach's law partner on march eighteenth nineteen seventy one it seems likely that the charter was not given to bennett until some time afterward thus the re-election effort had not yet received any contributions toward the dairy pledge by march twenty third two contributions to the march twenty fourth nineteen seventy one republican dinner the milk producers had apparently made a commitment to a presidential representative perhaps in addition to the two million dollar pledge to contribute one hundred thousand dollars to the one thousand dollar a plate kickoff nineteen seventy two republican dinner on march twenty fourth sponsored by the republican party colson in a memorandum dated february second nineteen seventy one to haldeman's aide lawrence higby stated the milk producers are prepared to buy ten tables to the committee dinner one hundred thousand dollars the national committee ought to be advised in advance that this is part of the money we owe the only trick would be to be certain that we got credit for this against the sums they expect us to raise both kalmbach and gary hanman of mid-am understood that at least part of the milk producers contributions for the dinner might in fact go to the president's campaign however there is no evidence that anyone connected with the dinner or the republican national committee was aware of any arrangements between the milk producers and representatives of the president moreover there is no evidence of any transfer of funds from any rnc committee to the president's re-election organization in nineteen seventy one in early march the co-ops were prepared to contribute to and attend the dinner however the adverse decision on march twelfth dampened their interest and led some dairy leaders to consider a boycott of the dinner and contributions no action was taken by ampi toward making the dinner contributions until march twenty second after lilly and others began to realize that a price support increase might be granted by the president on that date four tape checks totaling ten thousand dollars were drawn to rnc committees the other two leading co-ops midam and di still had not committed themselves to the dinner or to the president's campaign thus by march twenty third the milk producers may have discussed but except for ten thousand dollars had not yet fulfilled their two million dollar and dinner commitments as discussed in sections f and g these circumstances apparently changed in the following two days on march twenty third the milk producers met with the president and shortly thereafter received word of a possible price support increase on march twenty fourth the milk producers made additional pledges and contributions of seventy five thousand dollars to the republican committees and the earlier two million dollar pledge was reaffirmed in view of the expected announcement of an increase end of section twenty four